What do you know about that, man? <laughs> that was pretty fun. <laughs> Wasn't that, is that in a quarter by get you a cup of coffee? Yep. Granddaddy, you say that in a nickel, get you a cup of coffee. Now yep. it's like, Starbucks, that in a five-dollar <laughs> bill, get you a cup of coffee. <laughs> Barely. Maybe not even. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. No doubt. All right, let's just go ahead and get it started. But, but the black bass are going to be the, you know, that's what people want to know the most about, I'd say. Okay. Black bass? And I think the one thing that, that when I've told some friends of mine, that some people bristle a little bit about the six, especially on streams, you can catch six of big fish. But maybe we need to say, you know, judge by what we've seen and th that probably won't be an issue. Let's uh, let's run through it. I'm sure you guys know exactly how to handle it. I'm Chase Winnegar, host of the podcast, Lee McClellan, co-host. I hope everyone's uh, getting ready for spring. I know I sure am. <laughs> and today's guest, Jeff Ross. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Yeah, tell us what you do, Jeff. I am the assistant director for the fisheries division, one of several, but I'm over the seven fishery districts across the state. Um, those are the guys that manage the lakes, streams, make management recommendations, stocking, stuff like that. And that's kind of one of the things we're going to, that Lee was kind of just heading to a second ago was kind of on the regulation management side of it. There's been some reg changes, and that's one of the main reasons we're getting together and talking today is because we mm -hmm. want to make sure people are aware of those. But I was also thinking when I was driving in, well, first of all, I got to apologize to you guys because we were supposed to do this an hour and a half ago, and what do you know, I wasn't here. Um, so I made you guys waste a little bit of time today. But uh, behind the scenes look into the show. I actually, wanna... it worked out fine because I had something to go batten down, so it worked out fine. Well, so when we, sh we shoot the show, right, we have a camera, and it's capable of shooting 1080 or 4K. And when we're out in the field shooting with it, we shoot at 1080 all the time because that's our output quality, and we're saving space. But when we do wraps for the show, so the intro and the outro mm -hmm. and things, we shoot it in 4K, and that way we can do a digital push mm. in and a digital pull out. Mm. It's much smoother. And uh, when Raps got shot for this week's show, it did not get switched to 4Ks, shot in 1080. So I was unable to use them. And Wednesday is our deadline for getting our show out. So that is today. Yeah. So I was like thinking yesterday when I realized that issue, I've got to get this fixed. And it didn't even dawn on me when <laughs> I was making plans to go meet up with Chad and get those shots that... All good. Yep. Well, I appreciate you guys being understanding, oh. but... As I said, when I was driving in today, I was thinking about fishing opportunities. And there are several, like right here, right now, coming up right around the corner. And I personally think this is one of the best times of year to start getting out and going fishing, right? Heck yeah. And you know, I was thinking about it the other day, how I would explain it to somebody about why this time of the year is the best time of the year. And I came up with a little theory in my head. And while we have Jeff here, especially, who's the expert, I'm going to bounce it off you. Yes, and you sounds good. <laughs> So just just like everything, right? The hardest. There's a helicopter going over. Well, I can't believe somebody's not mowing grass, even though it's February. They did it yesterday. <laughs> oh, right by the window. They right here. Yeah, we we mowed. Thank God. Well, I'm glad we didn't schedule for us. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many times we've yeah. been there. They they mow the grass right by the window, right when we're doing the podcast. Yeah. Probably just have to call National Guard and tell them to not fly into. Yeah, yeah. No fly zone. I'm sure that'll work. This is vital national security. Our podcast is so. February seventh. They're just setting the tone. You know, the grass up here stands no chance, and the grass ought to know it. Yeah. Because February seventh, we're already getting after it. But anyway, so I was thinking about why it's the best time to fish coming up. And fish, just like everything that live in the wild, right? I think that the hardest time of their life is going to be the winter. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. In fact, for a lot of species, we measure overwinter mortality because that's where, especially for young fish, 
that's where you lose a lot. You may have a great spawn, mm -hmm. but if the fish are small, they may not make it through the winter. That's, but it's also hard on the bigger fish, too. That's exactly where I was going with it. Is that So just like deer and pretty much everything mm -hmm. out there, their goal is to have their offspring as early as possible in the year so that they can get as big and strong as possible before winter comes, right? So really, the best fishing is, you know, pre-spawn and spawn for pretty much every species, right? Because they're trying to fatten up, trying to put on extra weight, trying to produce eggs. And um, so the way I look at it is basically if you're looking at a water temperature graph, and then as we start coming up in the spring, when it starts warming up and days start getting longer, there's going to be a spot on that uphill line where every fish species just has their best fishing opportunity of the year almost right right yep so that's what we're looking at and right now we're at that time period where the line's probably starting to tick up a little bit water temperatures are kind of coming up days are getting longer so we're going to start rolling up on you know 48 degrees for mm -hmm. crappie or whatever the temperature would be you know 58 degrees for so as we start hitting these water temperatures it's going to be on so that's mm -hmm. why to me the spring is the best time to fish late yeah. winter spring yeah, I agree, and we got a you know a lot of different species, and you don't have to drive too far to mm -hmm. get to a, mm -hmm. that variety. So you do have a lot of ticks in that graph, in that graph yeah, that you can one after another. It's cool though; they're kind of spread out, two or three degrees here or yep. there. You know, it kind of you know I don't know where it starts. In my mind, it's probably going to be the saw guy, sauger, mm -hmm. yep. you know, and then we'll probably have crappie. I think crappie is probably pretty hot right around the corner right now yeah that's it's yeah. coming up too i mean i've caught them in this time i've caught them in december january right so, so basically as we move into longer days and water wa warmer water temperature we're just going to have something that's on something right. that's on and it's moving from one species to the other and so you probably have better insight into that than me but my four species i wrote down would be sauger sauga crappie white bass coming up and then if you want to catch a really big bass go find you a farm pond mm -hmm. yeah you see a lot of big bass even in february where yeah. you get you know that little string of warm days that we always seem to get mm -hmm. yeah. and if you look at the tournament data from a lot of the tournaments around some of their biggest fish for the year are caught in february. february yeah i've had that happen well it's a you know a, a fish that's six and a half pounds most of the year swimming around might be eight pounds right because it's right. if it's a female full eggs yeah, yeah or starting to develop eggs rather and it's uh you know some it's different in moving water of course but you can target those big bass and farm ponds easily if you just look at the the northern bank the sun's going to be hitting the most and maybe find a shallow flat that water's yep. warming up and so I, I think it's fun to go out there and target fish and like I've, that i've caught nice stream smallmouth at the end of february when we have the string of say gets up to 62 63 for through four days right and at the third day yep. if you fish deeper holes move where the current is where they spend the winter you can catch some of the biggest smallmouth of the year so that's all coming up right around the corner. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to it. Like Me I, too. I really am. They went out for the show yesterday and caught crappie on Cave Run. And I think Chad is, this morning I saw him to shoot those wraps, and he he had this look on his face. And he said, Chase, I think I'm going to have to buy a live scope. <laughs> so <laughs> he said they were they were out there tearing up the crappie on live scope. And you just can't leave. Is that the forward-facing sonar? Yeah, it's the one where you can pretty much see your bait in live action, see the fish swimming. See, you know, you can see them swallow it. and um they had a they were crappie fishing obviously and he said it's so hard to get off the water because you can see that fish sitting there right and you know you just gotta you can't leave you gotta try to catch it and then you see another one and it's just how it goes but they were you know probably throwing four pound test yesterday for crappie and they could see a muskie on that live scope sitting up underneath some brush and chad was trying to get that muskie to <laughs> well if it hit the four pound even have to worry about the fight right. lasting long it's happened before though 
You know, people have caught those muskie on four-pound tests. I've well, already had. I remember a guy caught, he was sauger fishing. He came up. Do you remember that guy? He was fishing at Lockport for uh, sauger. And it was in February, and he uh, caught a monster. Is that the guy that said he had to walk out there to get it? Yeah, walked out there. He came ahead in the back of his truck, and yep. we took pictures yep. of it and everything. I remember Huge muskie caught on six-pound line and a That's little grub. Good. I'm looking forward to muskie. That's, you know, I can't wait to go catch white bass. And I'm not much of a crappie guy, um, pretty much only because I don't have a boat. And when I fish, it tend to, I tend to go to moving water. Yeah. You know, so I don't vertically fish a whole lot. and I don't cast much, many brush piles or anything like that, but... If I do get into some crappie, I'm filling up a stringer. Mm. Um, that's for sure. But the sauger and sauger, I'm probably going to try to hit very, very soon. Like as soon as I see good water levels, I'll probably be yeah. out there. What's the river looking like? Do you know? I haven't checked. Haven't even checked. But you know, I still think uh, based on just the weather, I think it's probably up. Yeah. Well, Kentucky rivers. I mean, you know, it's cleared up. It's still kind of pushy. So I'll be doing sauger. It's green, sauger, clear, not you know, farm pound chocolate milk anymore. But. Yeah. Farm pond, farm pond, largemouth, and then white bass are pro- probably in that order. Go hit a couple of Finns Lakes if I have an hour free one day. Right. Yeah, the stocking schedule's online. I've kind of been keeping an eye on I've re-spooled, so. went through all my stuff, have everything pre-positioned and ready to go. What do you want to – what do you say we jump into some of these reg changes, though? There's one thing I'd like to say real quick. Let's hear it. I was at the Kentucky Fly Fishing Show. And I had a lot of people come up and express how much they enjoy the podcast, how much they listen to it, how they look forward to it, how they wish we did more of them. We apologize. We do as many as we can. We have other stuff going on. Um, But I just wanted to extend uh, kind words to everybody who came up and said something. And, you know, I get feedback, too, quite a bit. Messages, people send emails and things. And we do get a lot of good feedback on the podcast Mm -hmm. and some constructive criticism, too. Mm -hmm. I appreciate all those people reaching out. Yes. I like hearing from them, you know. Me, too. And one guy, he talked to me, you know, people traveling stuff because it relates to them. It talks about stuff that's in their backyard, not some national place. They had me a Kentucky Field uh, table set up. I bet people came in wanting to meet Chad. I bet <laughs> that was the biggest bait and switch in the history of the world. <laughs> Who's that old geezer up there handing out some chronic catfish stickers? I wanted to see Chad. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, you know, all that makeup Chad puts on. There's actually one thing we don't do. I probably shouldn't spread that lot. No. We're maybe one of the few TV shows that doesn't have makeup. I mean, it's actually, funny when you see people in TV makeup. Not on TV. It's yeah. jarring how much, you know. You know, we do actually. One of the restrooms here in the studio has one of those medicine cabinet mirrors that mm-hmm. pops out and you can open up. And there is some some makeup, like some face powder and some hair gel and stuff in there from like pre-farmer days. Yeah. It's I mean, literally 1970s style stuff. <laughs> but it's a doling powder, I guess. I don't, yeah. I don't keep, know. Yeah, either. keep the shine on. Yeah. That turned to presidential election in a lot of ways they say you know the nixon kennedy debates kennedy had makeup on nixon had the flu he looked uh, sweaty he just didn't look very good on camera and uh kennedy got ready with makeup and you know he looked much more and it, it helped sway the election so i wasn't alive then so. yeah no no but, uh, <laughs> in your media classes and you know your communication class that's yeah. something you study you well know. you know and there's uh there's something to said for being authentic i too, wasn't though. alive then either even yeah. though i'm older than granted i wasn't alive then <laughs> <laughs> well let's talk about some of these regs and i'll be honest with you i have not seen these regs i have right. i haven't seen them at all so i have no idea what they well, are thank I, god we i wrote a story about it and jeff and i went over it in detail yesterday so it's yeah. pretty fresh relying on youtube for this one right. that's 100%. <laughs> well it's just you know it's, it's pretty significant all in good don't you think jeff yeah i mean our regs have been you know they're all over the place a little bit and and for the most part management wise that's a good thing because every lake 
acts a little different. So you can't just put one thing across the state. So you, you do need these special regs here and there. But we we decided to sit down and take a look at everything and just try to fix stuff that wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. We had some outlier regs where there was a three fish limit mm-hmm. instead of six or a one. And so we tried to put those and get them, you know, standardized. You don't want to write individual regulation for every water bottle right. in the state. Yeah. And we've just recently, um, well, not just recently, a couple of years ago, formed a black bass management team, which is essentially a bunch of our biologists across the state and some of the hatchery guys and some of the research uh, folks. And uh, they essentially will get together and deal with black bass issues. So they were the ones that sat down and went through all the regs, talked to the districts and and tried to refine them the best we could. So we call it simplifying and standardizing. Mm-hmm. There's obviously some regs that you know, are still special regs, but even the special regs, we tried to make them similar. Yes. Yeah. So one of the biggest was standardizing the slot limits. Yeah, we had a lot of different slot limits. You know, Elkhorn had a 12 to 16, Cave Run has a 13 to 16. There was a bunch of them with a 12 to 15. Some had a certain number above, certain number below. And essentially what we did is we took all the slot limits and made it 12 to 15 inches. So if you're going to slot limit lake, it's going to be 12 to 15 inches. And we tried to standardize and just bring everything up to the six fish daily limit. You know, with bass fishing, and this this happened long ago, but the push for conservation and everything got in everybody's head that you got to release everything you catch. Mm -hmm. Well, it's stuck pretty good with everybody and it's still happening you know we don't see much harvest at all of black bass for the most part Mm -hmm. on our lakes and uh, streams so we figured you know let them put it at six but most people aren't gonna gonna keep that i almost want to take a step back real quick and i'm not uh, just being honest i'm not 100 percent sure everybody's probably familiar with the salt limit and what that means um, yeah. And, and so in a nutshell, what you said off the beginning is, you know, each lake kind of responds differently or is different. So you want to have, you know, regs specific to those lakes, but we also don't want to make it super confusing mm-hmm. right. for people. So trying to simplify things. So it's kind of a balance of yep. how simple can we make this for everybody so it's easy to understand versus how can we best manage all these water bodies, right? Right. And so, but you maybe know. Explain what a slot limit Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I'll start with, you know. For our regs in general, the anglers are going to either see like a minimum size limit, mm-hmm. which might be our statewide is 12 inch minimum size limit. You got to let everything go below that. Some of our lakes have a 15. You let everything go below that. Um, but then we have slot limits, and the reason we have slot limits is we w- let's say you have a 12 to 15 inch slot limit. That means you have to let go all the fish between 12. We're protecting the fish between 12 and 15 inches so you got to let those go because they're the most sexually active right or most reproductive that's part of it but really the slot limit the main push is to get people to harvest the small smaller fish fish to yeah so take cave run lake for example and we got a lot of lakes like this the the spawns every year are really strong so you end up with a a lot of small bass. This happens a lot in our small lakes. My too. Beaver, beavers had some yes. issues with that. And you just, they build up and build up. You got a f- finite food source. So you get more and more fish trying to feed on this 
finite food source and they all grow slower it's competition you know mm-hmm. and, and they so, stunt sometimes and yeah they stun out and you end up with a bunch of fish that are below 12 inches and i've they been just to those lakes ever... where you catch a million bass but they're all yep. the same size so with a slot limit it actually allows people since you you gotta let go of the 12 to 15s but you can keep above and below so somebody can go out and keep you know six, six. 11 inch fish which it's hard to get people to break that barrier and keep them mm-hmm. it'll help the lake tremendously if they do that and 11 inch largemouth especially tastes right. much better than a 17 or 18 inch. right no, you i think? understand i mean being a bass fisherman myself it's i i let everything go as well but yeah. um it it will help the lake in fact at beaver lake we've done some active management where we actually take those small fish out and put mm-hmm. them in other lakes where they don't have good spawns or recruitment which will help them out um and that beaver is getting better and better you wouldn't believe you know we take a good number of fish out of there those small ones mm-hmm. and you talk to the anglers the, the lake's improving and improving it just allows those smaller fish to grow grow yeah and now they're crossing through the because again there's only so much food available right and beaver's one that i think this year is is switching to a slot limit so that hopefully the anglers can help us out and we don't have to actually manage it ourselves the anglers can actually help us out and then on the upper end of the slot limit because obviously we're saying you can keep them below don't keep them in the slot right a lot of times if i'm if i remember right there's like a one over or like a, a limit on there, how many over. there can be an, in our regs i don't think we have that anymore we did have on and this is one of the changes we mm-hmm. made is barren river lake rough river lake and, and nolan river lake all had a 15 inch size limit and but you could keep one under and i think back in the day that may have had to do with allowing somebody to keep their first fish or something like that and also tournament people too yeah and tournament they could have one well. you know they could have a right but uh it just to make it easier for that that's a goofy one because you know the one under that's the only three we have it on and it just made more sense it's not biologically wasn't doing anything so it would just made more sense to make it a 15 inch size limit six fish mm-hmm. you know okay that makes sense and so as far as how those regs have changed as far as the slot limits it's simplified now or, or somewhat the, just ex- yeah they're all they're now every slot limit we have is 12 to 15 inch with a six fish limit so there was it kind of varied all around and you keep three under and three over six over six right. under whatever as right. long as it's you don't keep six any total yeah they six just gotta total. be above or below the 12 to 15 inches yeah okay um that's one of the changes we did move some lakes that had special regs and made them statewide those are lakes where our biologist said you know we've had this special reg on but it's just not doing what we hoped it would do and a statewide reg will probably you'll do the same thing so why not make it mm-hmm. easier for the anglers to understand and it's mm-hmm. a less special regs they have to look at in our guide mm-hmm. yes so we have that and then we uh we had some 15 inch size limit lakes and 12 inch size limit lakes that had weird creel limits like three fish there was four or five of them in central kentucky that had a three fish limit and it happened a long time ago and mm-hmm. it just hadn't changed so and these are all on bass we're talking about yeah this is all black bass and it doesn't affect large mouth small mouth. fins legs still are under the fins yeah the fins regs we just kept the same yeah um so 
you know, we we got rid of a lot of little outlier things and tried to just standardize that. I don't think it's going to, you know, I think the anglers will be okay with it just because we didn't make any drastic changes, just tried to clean things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you hardly ever see, like you said, not many people keep black bass. Right. Uh, you know, you'll occasionally see somebody yeah. on a stringer, but I have family that loves to keep them. And there's absolutely no reason not to keep some. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it at all. Especially kind of, spotted bass, because they're delicious. <laughs> you can, you know, a lot of states are finding now they're running into more trouble managing the lakes because people are not keeping them. So they put a reg on, and it just, whatever you put on really has no impact because... You know, it's catch and release anyway, yeah. So mm-hmm. if they're asking people, you know, if they put a slot limit on, the people aren't keeping the ones below, and so, they, it, you know, it just doesn't work. So it there is nothing wrong with keeping some bass, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah everybody, I guess a lot of people don't realize that connection between, you know, the number of bass you have and the finite number amount of food that you have available and how right. that's going to impact the growth, you know. Mm-hmm. Somebody explained it to me one time. I can't, I can't, it might have been you, Jeff. Uh, some reason I'm thinking it wasn't, but – um, that essentially every body of water, aside from maybe a, a river or a stream, has a amount of biomass that it can support. Mm-hmm. They call it carrying capacity. So a carrying capacity. I use yeah. that a lot. When and I'm a lot of times it's pounds per acre of fish. So it's not just the bass. you got to add in all the, all the crappie, mm-hmm. you know, the rough fish, everything else. Bluegill. So let's just say that a lake, you know, completely throwing numbers out there. Let's just say that a lake has a a million pound carrying capacity total, total the whole lake, right? Well, if you've got a million fish in that lake, you're going to be looking at about a pound average, right? Yep. But if you've got five hundred thousand fish in that lake, you're going to be looking at two pounds mm-hmm. average. And so it's basically just like more fish isn't always a good thing if right. you want quality fish. So. Yeah, and and that's you know that's angler preference when we do our creel surveys and we ask anglers what they want. Do you, would you rather catch a few trophy fish or would you rather catch a a bunch of smaller fish intermediate sized fish it's split you know some people want to go out and they just want to catch fish others want to go out and catch a memorable trophy fish i 100 percent get that um because i you know i'm in the the same boat with both of those people no pun intended same boat um (laughs) you know on different species because some species i just want to go out there and catch them yeah some species i would rather fish for two or three days to catch one big one than i would rather just right. be you know going through fish left and right so i i get that how do you do those angler surveys so we uh we used to be able to do them just budget wise um in every district our seven districts we do a lake every year we got away further from that a little bit and now we're now we're able to do it again and what we do is we'll hire a seasonal employee and they'll um, take a boat out on the lake on a, you know, they have a schedule. They'll go out a certain number of days per week. Creel clerk type deal? Mm-hmm. It's the creel clerk. Very nice. And then they'll go out and count what the people are catching, what they're letting go. That's how Rick Hill started here. Yeah. We've clerk. had a lot of people that have, you know, done that. And, and we have a lot of retired folks that, you know, do that for us. And they enjoy going out and talking there. You I know, they get to that. talk to everybody. And so, you know, the... For the anglers, just know the person's out there. It's it's actually helping mm-hmm. us manage the lake. By, well, I enjoy by talking to them. them. I know they're do. they're getting important data that's going to make better fishing right. for me. I like talking to them too. <laughs> and I only ever get to talk to them. Oh. I, well, I, I pound them more than they do. <laughs> hey man, <if> you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they they, uh, you know. they also uh, one of the other things they will do along with collecting the catch and harvest data and all that is they'll ask the anglers. It's a good way we can come up with questions to see 
how satisfied the anglers are with their fishing on the lake or would they be in favor of this change, that change? We can get a lot of angler opinion from that. And they've asked me they've asked me questions. Now I'm thinking specifically of a Tennessee Creel clerk on Del Hall Lake. Right. He was asking me, you know, if we're staying in the area, how many days we're staying, about how much are we spending on lodging. They're using it for some ecotourism yep. information yep. as well. Just trying to get a rough idea of, you know, what's the impact of anglers coming to this lake yeah, on the economy. There's a lot of information you get. You gotta kinda balance it with not sitting there and talking to the guy say, while well, he's trying to fish for a month and i plan to spend a million dollars and yeah. skew the numbers up yeah. say get more funding i mean you may be catching a bunch of fish and you got this crew clerk asking you 600 questions at some point it's like yeah. okay well and i think some people think oh god law you know yeah oh, yeah. no they they have no enforcement yeah, abilities and so. they don't want to enforce the law no, I wouldn't the, uh, you know i'd say it's probably just uh, on the krill clerk to know the personality that they're dealing with mm. you know some people you can probably tell real quick if yep. they want to talk to you or not mm -hmm. and if they want to talk to you, you might as well sit there and ask them every question yep. you can think yep. of because i enjoy talking to them like lisa he does too so people don't bother me when they talk to me when i fish so heck no i'll be like yeah i've done this who you, you know, i'll ask them who they're working for <laughs> Most of the time, I've honestly, after spending hours and hours on a lake, not talking to hardly anybody, I'm uh, thankful to have someone come up <laughs> you know, and chat with me for a minute. It seems, like, it seems like somebody cares about what I'm catching. We today. went on photo shoots, and you've probably seen this too. You pull up and fish a wildlife truck. We've cleaned out like Sparlington Lake. I'll never <laughs> forget. There's, I think, three people within 10 minutes of us arriving. They trailing their boat, and they go. <laughs> No, they always think you're, law. You, know, you know, yeah, well, law enforcement or sometimes they think we're biologists. I guess those are the main jobs, you know, public facing or the ones that people think about. Right. But, you know, they'll come up and tell me about how a reg needs to be changed or mm -hmm. something like that. I'm like, well, I have absolutely nothing to do with that. So, you know, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. That's what I usually say. <laughs> yeah. so. But there are other surveys other than, so the krill survey I like because it's personal. Right. Right. There are other surveys that the department sends out. I don't know if everybody knows to be looking for those or not, but like it's survey one, two, three type deals that go out through email. Mm -hmm. and, right. You know, like for instance, this past year, they made some changes to the bear eggs, right? And so they would have sent out a survey to get people's opinion on some of these changes. And what they do, they don't just send it out to everybody. They specifically look for people who may, who buy a bear permit. So, you know, they'll say, right. we, we want to survey everybody who's bought a bear permit for the past three years. Mm -hmm. And so every one of those people will get that email. And people should probably, you know, a lot of times they think everything's junk email. If they didn't specifically, mm -hmm. if they aren't expecting it, they think it's junk. Yeah. Well, some of those from the department are actually worth opening up and looking at because right. you'll have, you know, the ability to provide input on some things that you might care about. So I think that, you know, not everybody knows we do that. And a lot of times people will ask, well, how'd they survey the public on that one? I never got it. Well, you, you might have. You might have should have checked your email or something. Right. And we, we use that information, the Creel survey data. It's valuable. Angler opinion, it? you know, we'll go to the commission and propose something. And they'll ask, well, what do the anglers think about this? And we can tell them, you know, 94% of the people we talk to on the lake think this is a good idea. And that mm -hmm. helps mm -hmm. push it through. Or if we see that you know nobody likes it yeah, we got to rethink it yeah yeah that makes sense and you think about the mission of the department let's see if i can get it right uh to conserve and enhance fish and wildlife resources and provide and provide hunting fishing boating and other outdoor recreational arms. Okay. so it's an opportunity too mm -hmm. you know it's not just managing the resources that's 50 percent of the mission the other 50 percent of it is to provide opportunity so there's kind of a balance there that we're trying to work with and that public opinion coming in is you know right. opportunity driven so yep. so that makes perfect sense Anyway, you said something a second ago about um, keeping your first fish on Barron. 
Right. Yeah. And for some reason, that just kicked a thought in my mind. I caught my first fish on bear. First fish I ever remember catching was on bear. Was on bear? It's on a houseboat. My grandpa's houseboat down on bear, and it was up at the slip at the state dock, and I was just hanging out on the houseboat, and I remember sitting on the back of the boat and with a fishing pole in the water, and I caught the first fish I ever remember. And it was like a three-inch bluegill or sunfish, <laughs> and I wanted to keep that and eat it so bad. Oh, I know. I'll, everybody yeah. doing it at that age. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember if we, uh, if we ever did or not. And then I also remember when I was a little kid on Barron, going out fishing with my dad and my grandpa early mornings. Like, they had fog mask on. I just remember they looked like stormtroopers. And I was too little to fish, but I took my BB gun. And I would shoot everything that was floating. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, those are two of my first fishing memories right there on Barron. Oh, that's awesome. I remember mm. we we when I was a kid, we were on a houseboat, and I had a BB gun, and there was a little bass floating around, and I was shooting at him, and it took me a couple of years to realize you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's completely illegal. So. Well, I don't know about your BB gun. My BB gun probably wouldn't have had two, yeah. or, two or three inches of I had a red yeah, rider, yeah. Yeah. water depth penetration there, so... It wasn't going to look like, uh, you yeah. know, the World War II movies where they're underwater and you see the bullets <laughs> ripping through. Yeah, I'm thinking Red Rider or maybe like yeah. a, a power line. That might be why I never got one. Yeah, never got a bass. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it, it, it deflect off to, yeah. you know, yeah. I shot at stuff like that all the time. It yeah. was fun. There'd be like leaves and sycamore, you know, those little balls, balls that come off yep. sycamore trees. I'd just be shooting and shooting. <laughs> I'm glad they were patient with me. Yeah, so. well, they were like, good, well. Mama's letting me fish, so and he's entertained, so we're good. Yeah, yeah. Good, good memories. But yeah, that's uh, when you said something about first fish. Keep your first fish on Baron. I was thinking about that. You know, first fish I ever remember catching was on Baron. What else we got coming up right now, guys? Well, one thing um, that you will be interested in, and maybe explain about the musky size limit increasing on our best lakes. Yeah, so Buckhorn has had a 40 inch size limit mm -hmm. uh green cave run and dewey have had a 36 mm -hmm. so we're bringing those up to the 40 inch limit once again muskie is one of those species that a lot of people don't keep as well there is some harvest you know during the sun i think people troll and and will keep some but for the for the most part there's not a lot of harvest so some people think well what difference does that make then you know i think by protecting those fish up to 40 inches you just keep some of those bigger fish in there a little longer mm -hmm. and you know hopefully somebody instead of getting a 37 inch trophy will get a 42 or something mm -hmm. you know just get you know there's a chance of it's standardization too those are our three fish. best it's a, lakes and it's a so trophy you fish yeah. you know muskie is a trophy fishery yeah. just straight Not up just that like muskie you know i don't know what the rate is but I've i've heard that we stock them at something like one fish per acre it's one per three acres one so per, it's, it's, yeah so if you think about keeping a <clears throat> largemouth bass and i'm not against keeping musky i've kept musky i right. kept a musky last year still got some of it frozen in my refrigerator do you like it uh i mean it's okay um it wasn't did you cut it into steaks i cut it up in a, in a bunch of ways i mean you got i got like the back strap fillets out mm -hmm. of it i got side fillets out of it um but it was just a white meat that didn't have a whole lot of flavor mm -hmm. that's kind of how i thought it was kind of a it's going to taste like whatever you season it like, and it's just a piece of white meat. I mean, it's it's not super flaky. It's not like a walleye or anything like that. You know, it's not my favorite. But I wanted to keep a muskie and try it, you know, so mm -hmm. I did it, and I have no regrets. But you're talking about stocking them at one per three acres, right? Well, when we stock bass, what's the rate on that? 
Uh, what do we say? It could be 10, 15 per acre, okay, 20 so, per acre. So we're talking about like 40 to- 45 times mm-hmm. as many. So when you take a muskie out of a water body, you're kind of, you know, that one muskie is maybe, you know, comparatively you're taking more when right. you take one muskie than if you take one bass. Right. Just because that muskie's, you know, the apex predator, top of the food chain, mm-hmm. he's kind of running. So there's less muskie in the lake, basically, is what I'm saying. So it could have a, more of an impact than keeping bass. Right. Would, but at the same time, I mean, all these regs are designed for some harvest. Yeah, and we watch, you know, the growth of the fish, and we sample them every year, check, you know, the number of densities mm-hmm. and stuff. So if we saw that, you know, there were not enough fish, or there were some other issues, and you know, we'd adjust the regs. I I think the numbers in the lakes are doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Most people would say, you know, if there was an issue, it's mainly those bigger fish. So mm-hmm. hopefully, this will help. help a little bit. Yep. I think people expect muskie to be hard to catch too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, I don't think that many anglers, when they go out and maybe blank on a day, or saying, "Well, there just ain't enough muskie here," mm-hmm. they're, they're no. probably saying. Well, they just weren't biting today. Yeah, so they call them fish of a thousand casts. Yeah, ten thousand casts. And also, uh, Jeff, inform the, peop- the listeners how much a muskie costs to produce in the hatchery you in know, stock. It's, I don't it's, have the value, but it's, ex- it's very like, expensive it's, because we have to. I, I want to think thirteen dollars. It's somewhere in that range. Well, we stock them at thirteen inches in the okay. lakes. Um, but, but eleven dollars maybe per. Yeah. the The reason this, that they get expensive is that we have to you know, very quickly get them onto live fish. Mm-hmm. So we got to buy that and, you know. They're not, and they're not eating pellets. Become, yeah. Right. That becomes really expensive. If you don't do it, they just start eating themselves. And mm. then Well, that becomes even more. even more expensive. Yeah. So uh, a lot of the cost comes from having to, to feed those things. They like get them up to, thir- you know, 13. Now we put them, we put them in the streams at nine inches. We put them in the lakes at 13 inches so is there natural reproduction going on say like green river or the barren we we stock everything yeah Yeah. can you determine if there's any we've seen a little bit um up in the north fork kentucky river i think way up i think our eastern district folks collected some that we're not stocked. We're not stocked. Good. So there's there's a little bit, not nearly enough to sustain a population. Yeah. It's a put and take resource. Yeah. yeah. Uh, pretty much every muskie you ever catch is going to be one that minor E. Clark fish hatchery is mm-hmm. where they were where they were born, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. That broodstock program. That's something I was lucky enough to go do. I know when it was. It was 2020. Yeah. Because we were out there like the week that COVID was starting. Mm. Right? It was like you know early March or late right. February. Mm-hmm. We were out there getting the broodstock, and we were all confused about. Can we have three people on a boat? Or you know? yeah, that actually affected a lot of our <clears throat> stocking. It uh, did uh, because a lot of the spawning methods require people to be right next to each other, holding on to the fish, and somebody else is doing this, and yeah. we couldn't do that. So it actually knocked. We had we had a couple years of poor stockings for muskie due to that. Yeah, it impacted the striper on Lake Cumberland a little bit too, didn't it? Uh, that was more of an issue of getting. We get our bro- our. We, buy, we get our fish as fry, mm-hmm. and usually from Tennessee. Tennessee, yeah. And they were str- – so if they struggle producing them, then, we're, gonna, then yeah. we're in trouble because that's where we're getting them from. We are looking into possibilities of doing it ourselves, but it's very tough. They're lucky enough to have, like, tailwaters right by their hatcheries, and they can we go out a, every day and get those fish and oh, check them. Kind of like we do the muskie. 
Because right. you were saying they have tailwaters, and I was thinking, we have tailwaters. They do the same thing, yep. yeah. So the way we do the broodstock is we literally, the Monterey Clark fish hatchery sits right below Cave Run Lake, right by the spillway there, and that's where they go collect the muskie for the broodstock program. We went out there, and I think we got like six or seven that yep. day. And then those go in the holding pond, and then they get, you know, milked and the eggs, and then they get released back into the water body. And these know. are native muskie strain. These aren't anything we've imported, correct? Right. Oh, that's cool. So we've used our own fish. Those are, well, li- I mean, those are Licking River natives, correct? Yeah. No, well, we've got some, you know, we've got fish from other places as well, just because they've been gone, you know. Hmm. They were native, but I don't think, you know, our broodstock at this point probably are a mix. Yeah. They're coming from the Licking River. Yeah. You know, that's. Yeah. <clears throat> but those are essentially cave run yeah stocked fish yeah oh that's that's pretty cool but it's been mainly our genetics and came they came from yeah because you know i love reading those old stories about musky joe stamper and stuff and kenny connick creek and some of those legendary musky streams but that kind of fishing pressure now would be unsustainable without stocking it would it crash yeah i'm trying to i had something i was so excited about saying a second ago (laughs) and then it slipped me in now i just remember how excited i was to say it now i can't remember what it was so (laughs) what was it about musky I don't know. We were talking about muskie. We were, we were talking about fish stocking. It'll come back to me eventually. Green River? I don't know, Lee. It's gone. <laughs> Thought's gone. It happens to me all the time. Yeah, I'm starting to get a little older. I got Well, the, the, then you'll be driving down the road in two hours and it'll come to you. Oh, yeah. I'll be excited. I'll text you. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever it pops back into my head. <laughs> Man, that's going to bug me. That's going to drive me crazy. I can't think of that. Well, Lee, you better take over the conversation for a second because well, I got to There's one thing, thing, too, that I'll... Um, one of the new regs says um, is a 15-inch minimum size limit for smallmouths on the Barren River from Barren River Lake Dam. And the reg says uh, lock and dam number one near Greencastle. Well, over the past year, lock and dam number one has been removed. Right. So if people see that, you know, it's near the community of Greencastle, and that regulation is going to be changed. Yeah, year, that's uh, actually like already been proposed i'm not sure exactly where it's at in the process that's not going to make our guide so if you see that in the fishing guide yep just you know eventually that's going to go to yeah i can't remember exactly i think it's the mouth i just i can't remember exactly where we because that was the last lock and dam before right so essentially everybody probably has a that fishes out there as knows where the old lock was so Mm -hmm. yeah um operate that way and then Hopefully the next year we'll have. You know, there's a ramp at the community of Greencastle. You can kind of use that, and then the the lock of dams right upstream. Yeah, the removal of some of those dams have thrown us off on our regs. That you know, I'm excited about it though. I think it's great that we (laughs) when they specifically say that lock and dam and it's not there anymore. (laughs) But that's okay. Do you think we ran through most of the stuff on your on your sheet there? Uh, um, almost. There's well, I was just curious if we, in a nutshell, because I don't want to go too far away from what Jeff was talking about if we hadn't hit it all. Yeah, uh, there's some trout and some non-trad okay. to talk about as yeah, well. Yeah, I think no. we covered the black bass pretty well. Pretty well but there yeah. were a few other things that, you know, uh, your I, standard changes that we make here and there. It's always going to be important to check the guide, especially going into the new license year. You know, the new fishing guide should be coming out. Lee, you would have a better idea than yeah, well, me. Well, uh, the proof has been sent off. It's on its way. So. Okay. So sometime soon. But um, one thing that for people, Red River Gorge is really popular, and one of the changes, we have the catch and release trout season. And we had an outlier in that. Most of them, that season closes March 31. 
But in Swift Camp Creek in the gorge, it extended to May 31. Yeah. Now, now, that, now that, we've standardized it to where the Yeah, that's in. March as well. Why was that? Do you it, know? I think it had to do with um, Forest Service requested that. That's a – is that wild and scenic waters It there? could be, yeah. And it – it happened a long time ago, so I'm not sure, but I think it was at the request of the Forest Service, but I think they're okay at this point. Just make them, make them the same. And some uh, special rags on trout have been removed as well. Yeah, we've poor four. It's a brook trout stream. We just haven't seen fish in there forever. Um, we had special regs on there for like the gear that you can use and, mm-hmm. and i remember that single hook so we just took it. that off i mean there may be a fish here and there if people want to still go out and fish it still falls under the statewide you can't catch and release on the brook trout yeah. but you don't have to use the yeah you know the special gear restrictions and the, that we had the and special then regs on Paint Creek, and the yeah yeah below paintsville tailwater back in the back a while they used to release colder water mm-hmm. which allowed that cold water to push down further and that we had brown trout that existed down there yeah, and so we had special regs based on that um now the release is a little warmer it was actually to help us out with paintsville lake because we were letting a lot of that cool water habitat out mm-hmm. we were trying to protect the walleye, walleye smallmouth yeah. even though they're still struggling so that may be something we look at again but we we don't have that fishery down in paint creek you know those brown trout because they're all up north near yeah, the tailwater near, now yeah. so we just got rid of that special rig down there do you have a favorite fish jeff like a favorite fish that you just think's cool or a favorite fish to fish for my favorite to fish for is definitely probably largemouth bass largemouth um well if i can find the smallmouth that you know i like i like that fight better but mm-hmm. um as far as just being cool i don't know musky is always cool yeah. but I think most. I don't know. I've, yeah. you know. I haven't fished too much. I love you know, battlefish. I just think they're fascinating. Yeah. Well, yeah, Sturgeon you got too. you know a lot of those types. The species. prehistoric fish. Or yeah. You think they're really cool? Yeah. What's, they your, do. what's your favorite fish to actually fish for? Oh, well, you you know the answer. Smallmouth bass. Yes. That's, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, again, I, I joke all the times like, so when's the catch release only statewide smallmouth rig coming in? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it actually is a bad rig because that would encourage that would stunt fish and encourage you know right. what, what you're trying to fix with these new rats. another cool one's a lake sturgeon which yeah i know we're trying to restore i just wrote a, and, wrote a note piece on that and i know, you know y'all just did a, a tv yeah you know i think the lake sturgeon are really cool same with the paddlefish like I, I love the history of them you know paddlefish has no bones in its body you know and they've both been around since dinosaurs pretty yeah. much mm-hmm. prehistoric fish and i think it's really cool how they survived when everything else didn't kind of like gar you know mm-hmm. not as oxygen dependent in the water am i right there for gar, yeah, they can actually gulp at the surface. Like I remember when we we had the fish kill down on the Kentucky River years ago, gar probably didn't die because they were, you know, breathing air or mm-hmm. they could breathe water. And I was thinking to myself, that's probably why those things are prehistoric, mm-hmm. is because whenever you know the water becomes in non-inhabitable, they can just breathe air. And if the air becomes non-inhabitable, they can just breathe water. But I think the coolest fish to me is probably the muskie. I gotta agree. Mm-hmm. It's just because of their attitude and they're the fastest freshwater fish in the I world, them, right? Too, Apex predators. Yeah. But I think my favorite to fish for <clears throat> is either the hybrid striped bass. Yeah, I like hybrids. Or the smallmouth. Yeah. And I just like the hybrids kind of have that muskie attitude where they think they're the baddest thing mm-hmm. in the world, you know. And then they pulls over their foot. Yeah. They I like how they double tap your bait, hit it once to stun it, hit it once to yeah, eat boom. it. Boom. Yeah. Oh. 
But I've, I've been fooled by that. Bam, set the hook. And like, yeah. oh. But then I've had them come set the hook and have them come back and smoke yeah. it. I like the aggressiveness of them, but I like smallmouth because of where you can catch them. Mm-hmm. And I can go down on the most beautiful lakes, Laurel, Cumberland Dale, and smallmouth fish. Or I can go right out here. There's smallmouth probably closer to everybody than any other fish, if you think about it. We can mm-hmm. go right down here to Elkhorn or go to Floyd's Fork or mm-hmm. living in Madison County. That's my, I've never oh, been. I love Silver Creek. That's why I learned my. Cut mm-hmm. my teeth. And Spencer County has a bunch of good places. Like, I don't know if you're ever more than 15 miles from a smallmouth fishery, you mm-hmm. know, in the States. So that's just one of those curious things. Like, when I'm driving down the road, I think to myself sometimes, like, what's the coolest fish? <laughs> and I start, you know, thinking about it, and I, I come up with an answer. And then, you know, I, I really think about it sometimes on the wildlife side. What's the coolest animal in the state? Because that's a tough one, too. And part of me thinks black bear, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. But so, I don't know. My mind just drifts to these weird questions yeah. sometimes. And, and actually, while you are saying that, I was thinking, well... When you go down and fish the top water bite at night for a striper no. that Cumberland, that, at that point is probably that's oh, the coolest no doubt. <laughs> I just remembered it. Hey. Okay, the striper thing. Okay. So I went to Whole Foods the other day, and I was, I was. They like, had striper. They had a whole striper, mm-hmm. eleven ninety nine a pound, whole fish guts in it, right? And it said, you know, locally, it was a product of the USA. It didn't say that it was from Kentucky. But I asked the guy, because it said striped bass, and then they had another fish down there that was filleted, and it said rockfish. So I asked him, I said, is this striped bass the same thing as that rockfish? And he told me no. Well, yeah, it depends. Rockfish can be another name for striped bass, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, there's a lot of marine rockfish. Was that what they were selling? Well, he was telling me that it was something to do with the fact that the striper was a saltwater off the New England coast, I think he said it was from the Atlantic <clears throat> up in the right. northeast, and that it was a, a strike of saltwater caught fish, so it was called a certain thing. But then one from brackish water or fresh water was referred to as something different. Oh. So he now this was just a guy working at Whole Foods. Yeah, yeah so. I'd, I'd say it's the same. Yeah, same fish. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know there was a uh, much commercial fishery for striped. They bass. do have. Well, it was they do have that. It wasn't. It's highly country. regulated, just because you know. Just like any commercial fisheries, in the, especially oh, marine, they, they there's you know, no they freshwater can, commercial fishery for them, or, or is there? Uh, not that I know of. There could be, but you know what you, you normally hear about is you know coastal type fishery. But they've had you know some trouble with the populations and commercial fishing, so mm-hmm. they're pretty regulated. I thought that was pretty cool, though. You know, Tim Farmer had talked in the past about striped bass and how you know anglers don't realize what a treat it is and here this was it was probably 10 pound striped bass at 11.99 a pound 120 dollars if you want to take that fish home with you you know you realize it's like no i can buy a new rod and i'll go catch my own thanks yeah Yeah, but it makes you i love striper straight from come on eating many yeah it makes you appreciate it here it is right here striper fillets this is what it was at Whole Foods. I had to take that a picture. That is a striper. Yeah. Yep. Eleven ninety nine, and they had the whole fish on there. It looks huh. just like it almost had the body profile of a hybrid, like a big fat body on it. It kind of does look hybridish, but yeah, but it's definitely a striper. Yep. Yeah. But I, I saw that, and it caught my. Eye. I think that the whole fish are pretty cool, you know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's a delicacy because that's up there for a pretty high dollar mark, and so I, I just love the idea of going out and actually catching fish to keep. So eating. they had the other ones. They had filleted. They called rockfish. Yeah, and I guess it wasn't the was same the same fish. price. No, I can't remember. I'd have to go. I just curiously asked the guy, and he said his his answer was so confident, you know, like uh, he he made you want to believe him. And he, and I, I, I did. I didn't doubt him at all. I knew that when I was looking at it was a striper. And our old Kentucky fields, it, they referred to him as rockfish. Yeah, that was a state record. But I'm seeing rockfish and striped bass in parentheses. 
Right. And where do our stripers, you know, I know they are currently, we're getting the fry from Tennessee, but where did like this whole project originated? Like somewhere down in Santee Cooper. How did that happen now? Well, they, they, they were spawning and they closed the locks and dams when they built the lake. Because they're brackish fish. So and they, and they, yeah, they, they ran up, you know, and they, they run up the, you know, uh, tributaries of the ocean to spawn and they closed the dam during the spawning run and they survived. Mm-hmm. Um, so they started collecting them for people to produce in a hatchery and then that's where the i think our original fish that we stocked in kentucky came from south carolina if memory serves it's kind of nice when you can get a fish like that that is just naturally going to be like the hybrids the sawgrass some of the fish we produce that are that are hybrid species Mm -hmm. being able to control the numbers of them because they don't reproduce on their own i mean that's got to be a huge tool for you all right yeah i mean it Definitely, we can. We have a lot more control over them. Yeah, for it's sure. not going to take off like a wildfire. Now, it, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, it takes a lot more effort because we got to keep raising them and putting them in instead of them just yeah. spawning on their own and doing. You know, we don't have to mess with it. But yeah. um, it does allow us to manage how many fish you know are in the lake, and we can adjust it up or down if we need to. You know, something that I thought Chad made a really, really good point during last year's spring fishing show. And I think you were there for last year's yeah. show. I know you're going to be there this year, which we should we should actually talk about that before we quit today because that's coming up. It's less than two weeks out. Is it really? Because I haven't heard about it yet. So. I didn't send you something? Uh, I don't think Pretty so. Pretty sure I did. I'll have to oh. double check. I might <laughs> right. my, I know I talked to Crosby. I thought it was you and Crosby coming on this year. I'll, we'll well, ta- sure. I'm sure we'll, we'll be there. Let me, I'll, I'll go check my email as soon as we finish this up. Yeah, but that's fine. Chad's point, you know, we talk about stalking, stalking. Everybody gets so excited about stalking. But, you know, like we were doing a, a habitat project with Adam Martin last year where they were putting spawning habitat mm-hmm. into the lake. Mm-hmm. And if you think about one largemouth bass can produce how many thousands of eggs, right? Tens of thousands. Mm-hmm. Now, fry, now the survival rate is going to be really yeah, low. Yeah, it's real low. But you could never match with with stocking what good spawning yeah mm-hmm. could yes. do. if you have like fish that can actually spawn like largemouth people right. people might be you know screaming for why don't you stock more largemouth but really the best thing you could probably do there is habitat work which is what's being done right yeah i mean you're kind of wasting your time if you're stocking and and you have good recruitment or good natural spawns um we our bass stocking program looks at how many fish we see in young young of the year we see in the fall and we can predict what that'll mean in the spring when they're age one and we can decide like that number is too low and then we'll stock that lake instead of just randomly stocking lakes because if we stock and then there's a good year class it's kind of a, just a waste ted crow used to make a great point he's like lee you know everybody's like stock 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 but if a 12 inch or 12 ounce cup if you're pouring water in it, once it gets to 12 ounces, you can pour all the water you want, but it's right. only going to hold 12 ounces. And yeah. that's what Adam's trying to do. You know, his is a kind of a special situation that he's working on where a lot of times the water will not get all the way up into the the habitat the bass would like to spawn in be, at the time it's the perfect temperature. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to put habitat out part way up so that if the water only gets to this spot you know and it's warm and the bass are like we're going to spawn now there's some habitat there because without it it's just kind of barren shoreline so he's trying to actually you know some years it may get all the way up but if it doesn't there'll be something there for them to to spawn i thought that was a cool project and that's the efficiency of it if you think about the how much how many what the resource cost is 
what, how many resources are being put into the cost of cutting down a tree and dragging it into the water versus, and that might produce a thousand bass for us next year if we have good, successful, you know, recruitment. Right. Whereas what the cost would be if we stock those, you know, drove a truck out there and it's just so much more efficient. I like mm-hmm. the habitat work personally. It's not mm-hmm. like, you know, fish stocking is kind of the attractive, shiny thing that everybody mm-hmm. loves, but habitat work, it's like something that doesn't get enough, uh, praise in my opinion but it's so important you yeah. know it's kind of like that we've tried to emphasize talking about it and stuff. i'm sure there's a really good analogy for the you know like the motor you know mm-hmm. the, of the car versus the paint job on the car type <laughs> deal but uh i'm not sure that's really your expertise lee you're the guy with the analogies and the <laughs> metaphors and whatnot so man something i brought up in a talk i gave at the fly fishing we did a smallmouth bass stream smallmouth stocking program for a while yeah we and, did but, it on but it it just didn't didn't take correct yeah it just seemed like in the years where the natural fish did not make it when we stocked those years the stock fish didn't just, make we it just didn't see well. them again yeah. yeah it's like the environment just kind of because someone brought it up why don't you much... stop more smallmouths like well we tried that yeah the environment stream fisheries are kind of self-regulating yeah think, yeah it it just had overrode our stocking and the natural fish so it was kind of like you just gotta Throwing money let away. it happen yeah yeah <clears throat> what else do people need to know about coming up other than fishing the reg changes and i think it's a really you know we can we can say that and i think it's good we said it people still are going to need to check the guide yes. when it comes out Definitely. and it's it's being printed right now so and you license your hey coming to the end of yeah, uh license year. Yeah. and we used to put the guide out right before christmas and then we found out they would come to the stores, and then when fishing season would come along two months later, people throw away the good guide. So we try to get them out, you know, a couple of weeks before March the 1st right. now so people know that's this year's guide because we have lots of them being tossed inadvertently. But And as soon as – I don't think that it's on the web yet, but it will be up there as well, yeah, right? I need to ask Adrian. It might be. Um, that's another place that people yes. can look. Then you can print your own off, put it on, look at it on your phone. Or, you know. And we're in the process, not sure how long it's going to be, but we're hoping that an app that we've been working on will be coming out and, mm-hmm. you know, the guide will be on there. You'll be able to carry it around with you wherever you want to go. So that's, yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking about that when we're yeah. able to get yeah. it released maybe when that comes on you can come back and yeah it's gonna we'll be, have a we can have another podcast it'll be about nice. that. don't you think i think that sounds like a great idea yeah there's a lot of neat things that'll be on it and we can kind of describe them or whatever <clears throat> so spring fishing live mm-hmm. show i would love to have you there jeff <laughs> oh well, i'll be there yeah and so it's uh so I'm, I'm pretty much counting on you. I have our conservation officer lined up. That's Rufus Cravens, who's going to be uh, answering law enforcement-related questions. Um, I think yourself and Jeff Crosby. Mm-hmm. That's our typical panel. You guys do a really good job. So mm-hmm. that's coming up. And, you know, when COVID first became a thing, we started doing them in-house. We went away from KT Studios. We're looking to maybe go back into KT Studios sometime in the future, but we're going to finish up this spring the way we've been doing it. So we're going to go. I've done it. I went to the <clears throat> studio. And, you know, there's there's benefits and downsides to doing it both ways. Ideally, I would like for people to be able to pick up the phone, make a phone call live during the show while they're Mm -hmm. watching. That Mm -hmm. would be, you know, for the viewers, that would be ideal. And I want to, you know, I'd like to do what's best for the viewers. Um, But for this this spring show coming up, it's going to be social media. 
live again. People can comment with their question. Still really effective. Works well. Mm-hmm. That's going to be on Tuesday, February the 21st. Okay. So just about two weeks out. That's good because we're having a staff meeting the week before, so that mm-hmm. that worked out well. Mm-hmm. I, have an, I have an email. <laughs> I was worried you were going to say that. The <laughs> staff well, meeting. None date. of us will be there. <laughs> yeah. Tuesday, February the 21st at 7 o'clock, we'll be live on the uh, Kentucky Field Facebook page. And, you know, it'll be Chad, Jeff Crosby, Jeff Ross, and uh, Sergeant Rufus Cravens with Mm -hmm. the Law Enforcement Division. And we will be taking people's questions for an hour. Um, So if somebody has questions about these new regs or just about fishing in general, you know, the spring fishing show used to take place in April, Mm -hmm. you know. And then Chad, when he came on as host, you know, being the fisherman that he is, he said, Guys, that's way too late because by April we've already missed Mm -hmm. half of the best fishing that you can possibly Chad, he'd have it in... Late February, yeah, by now. <laughs> no, yeah, late February is kind of ideal that's, for that's, us. You know, Chad's already been fishing hard for about late February. Well, really, he'd probably do it in November. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he yeah. doesn't stop. Yeah, so, but that's when it's coming up. February 21st, we moved the date, um, you know, a couple years ago to try to actually be able to hit on all those February, March, early April fishing opportunities. Because if you ask me, that's the best time of year to get out and target some of the best fish to eat, trophy fish, I mean... I need to get start checking the flow on Elkhorn every day again. Yeah, hey, people have been <laughs> catching them. We yeah, no. we switched up how we take the ones that didn't get away for the TV show recently, trying to make it more user friendly because we used to have people email their photos to us, right? Well, that's just you know, it's tough. So now we're doing a Monday social media post where we're soliciting just comment below with your picture and a short description, and that's taken off like wildfire. But it's re- I really enjoy it because I've seen 480, 460 comments the past two weeks, and I can look at them and tell exactly what's going on. Yeah. And there were a couple of nice Elkhorn smallmouth um, this past week's show, caught in January. Hmm. So people are out there doing it, you know, but uh, that's that's how we're, we've made several changes lately. But the one to the ones, I think, is, is really nice because anybody or everybody can just get on Facebook on their phone and post a photo comment. It's much easier than sending an email and not knowing if it was received and all those things. So I I like the way we've switched it up, getting a lot of photos. And obviously we can't use them all, but we're just kind of taking the best of the best as far as photo quality, is the description good, is it timely, you know, things like that. I think it's worked out really well. And this way, you know, we'll say we got 100 photos emailed to us in a week. We weren't going to be able to show all 100. Yeah. And I feel like when you email something to somebody, there's an expectation for action mm-hmm. on that. Whereas if it's a social media post and you comment, even if your photo doesn't get shown on the TV show, you're getting some recognition. At least it's been shown. At least people have gotten mm-hmm. the opportunity to see it. You'll see people commenting on them, liking them and things like that. So I think it's been a good change and it's only been going on for two weeks now, but Elkhorn Smallmouth was a good one that popped up on this week's. Hmm. And we, we shot that one actually. <laughs> so that'll be on the show. Oh, did you? That's actually when I talked to you guys on the phone earlier when mm-hmm. I, when you called me and I was like, Oh, that's exactly what I was doing. I was recording an Elkhorn Smallmouth for the TV show this weekend. So for the one day go away. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Cool. You guys, got anything else for me? There's a few other things I could talk about. I mean, well, honestly, there's one that I want to, and then I'm done. Um, bow fishing is now prohibited on a couple of lakes: uh, Carpenter Lake in Davies County, Clear Creek in Bath County, Greenbow and Greenup, Lake Carnico in Nicholas County, and Lake Reba in Madison County. Yeah, that was more just kind of user conflict wasn't it? Yeah. driven what was the conflict well we had people out at so some of these lakes have houses not all of those but several of them have houses around them mm-hmm. and we people were out 
you know, with the generator going, the lights going late at night. And yeah, like Lake Reba is a park. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. It's like and, a, uh, you know, law enforcement was getting called a bunch. And we just, you know, there's a lot of places that you can go bow fishing. And, and just, you're not going to make anybody mad. Right. Yeah. So just that was just some options that we had to try to reduce and some of that Anybody who likes gigging and snagging and using other, there's a few gentle changes to that, especially yeah a lot of them just they're mainly out west for the most part mm-hmm. and some of it's protecting a few more species shoveling those sturgeon right, yeah. and uh a few others but not there weren't some they're not real big changes but yeah. minor stuff yeah. but if you like snagging or gigging down below tennessee or in the tennessee river below barkley and then uh or cumberland river below barkley and tennessee below kentucky it's a good one to you want to check that before you do it this spring. I'll tell you some other folks from fisheries that Lee and myself were talking about looking to have on soon would be uh, Stephanie Brandt, Jay Harala, because mm-hmm. I'd love to talk more about sturgeon. Yeah, we're, we're, that's in the plan. Yeah, in depth, you know, because we went out and shot. We shot two sturgeon segments this, this year for the TV yeah. show. We did uh, scoot removal um, in the hatchery, and then we went out and we sampled um, on Lake Cumberland with them. And I thought that was fascinating. Like Lee said, one of the coolest fish in the state. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't wait to talk to Jay and Stephanie yeah. and pick their brains more they're about They're the ones to talk to. Yeah. And because yeah. uh, they're, they're interesting fish. I'd like to know more about them. Yeah. So but, and if they're young, watch them. <laughs> a friend of mine got him on a gas net and he held it up and he went, whoosh, whoosh. And that scoot lit him up, got him, he had yeah. to go to the emergency room. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah, <laughs> so nice watch them. When, when they get older, they wear off and they're not sharp anymore. But they're littler ones watch those scoots along the sides they can that's they can probably one of the reasons they're prehistoric yeah. it's because they have weapons <laughs> attached to them when young age, so. all right so you know quick rundown we went over there some reg changes people need to check the guides all these reg changes sound like they're just simpler simplification mm-hmm. um still hitting on the management and i think that's need. a barrier for a lot of people is is you know if regs get too complicated it turns people off yeah and you know you got a guide that's 20 pages of special regs it's always nice to try to mm-hmm. knock that down a little bit I, you know i found a guide from the, pages, the fishing guide from you know the 90s and it was 11 by 17 piece of paper trifold that you yeah. could fit in your pocket the uh i mean i can't say i've been out on you know taylorsville lake let's just say in my kayak before and i've caught a fish right and i've wanted to know like i i'm just confused i have to get on my phone and look up the regs while i have the fish there in my boat to figure out if i mm-hmm. need to let it go or not and I do that because, you know, I, I work for the department and I really can't get any type of, you know, I'm walking the line. I got to imagine there's probably a lot of anglers out there who probably would assume that it was the same as it would be anywhere else and might walk themselves into a violation. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. So this is also, it's not just making it simpler. It's also making it more user-friendly and that, you know, somebody isn't as likely to accidentally, right. you know, get tripped up on something. So I, th- I think it's good all around, but people should be looking for those and check those on their you know, in the guide when it comes out as they start to fish this spring. Fishing this spring, some of the best times, you know, are coming right up as the water temperatures start to rise. Crappie, sauger, sauga, white bass, big farm pond, largemouth, uh, smallmouth in the streams, smallmouth in the reservoirs. I mean, pretty much everything's going to be spawning at some point sometime mm-hmm. soon. So it's time to break out the poles. Oh, heck yeah. And then the third thing was just hitting on that spring fishing question and answer show, February 21st, 7 o'clock, Kentucky Field Facebook page. Ask us anything you want to about spring fishing, and hopefully we'll we'll be able to get it answered. We'll have Jeff Crosby, Jeff Ross, and Sergeant Rufus Cravens there, experts, all three of them. Chad's pretty pretty good too. He won't, he, you know, you guys obviously handle all the biology and a lot of the catching. But if there's a a fishing just technique related question or something, oh, yeah. I consider Chad an expert on most of yeah. that. Oh heck yeah! Well, he gets the, you know the privilege of getting to go out and uh, do it. 
with people who are experts all the time. So he gets to see a lot of experts at work. So that's, you know, where, and he's great himself, but that's mm-hmm. where a lot of that knowledge comes I from. I learn a lot just from him talking on that show. So. Yeah. Well, good. And like I said, we'll be crappie fishing uh, with a live scope on Cave Run here before long. That got shot yesterday, and it sounded, I mean, he sounded like he was blown away by the quality. He said 12 to 16 inches. Oh, there's some beauties on Cave Run. Yeah, there's some of the pictures. Some have, people so. have raised ethical issues about the live scope and stuff. You know, it's kind of like when the memory on the Aquaview cameras came in. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting. Well, but we have our, you know, we have our creel limits and size limits to but, hopefully if you stay within those, you know, you should be good. We'll keep a close monitor because, you know, maybe there'll be more people catching the limit now mm-hmm. or something. But we're always watching for that and we'll adjust if we need to. Yeah. To me, it kind of seems like it's more fun than anything. Like yeah. playing, playing a video game, you know, it's more, it's kind of interactive. You can, it's, it's kind of like playing a video game. You know, you can see what's happening on a screen. I personally think there's some value in not staring at a screen while mm-hmm. you fish. Yeah. Um, so I could see it being one way or the other, you know, as far as just enjoyment, like you might find a lot of enjoyment staring at that screen, but at some point when you don't have that screen there, you're going to find enjoyment not staring at the screen too, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of how I look at it. I'm not going to be able to afford a live scope, so <laughs> I'm not worried about it. So I'd love to see him go back. All you have is a flasher. Go after it and see see what happens All right. on those fishing tournaments. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Jeff, Lee. Yeah, thank you for yeah, having thank, me. Thanks, right, thanks, 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 Jeff. We appreciate yep. it. Yes, sir. Thank you all. Mm-hmm.